Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to give a shout out to any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you aboard. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. I am your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. You can find me on Twitter at Color of the Iris. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight from Reading, Pennsylvania is Micah Storms. Micah, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It feels weird to be podcasting when the Red Sox are off, um, but no stress tonight. No stress. So um, relax. Relax. I could use that, especially after that Colorado series. Yeah, yeah. The weather sort of uh, changed things around for us with that that rain delay. But you're right. It's nice to not be looking over our shoulders at uh, any scores or anything for once. So that's good. Uh, also joining us tonight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, is Terry Cushman. Terry, how you doing? Not too bad. Goddamn rain delay delayed the second show. Normally, for the listening audience, and some of you may have figured this out, we we typically record this show right after the previous show where we discussed the Rockies. So, but we decided to push it back since it was such a late start for us. <laughs> if the game's delayed, we're delayed, and uh, you know, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, not too many of those those in uh, in the future. But uh, I think we'll we'll be all right. So yeah, this is our uh, Bastards Roundtable episode. We're going to be talking some Red Sox, some trade deadline, and we'll quickly hit on the Oakland Athletics situation with them. Uh, looks like they are a full go for moving to Las Vegas in the near future. So we'll touch on that a little bit later. But I wanted to start with the Red Sox, who of course just came off a disappointing uh, series loss to the Colorado Rockies. Um you know, especially coming off of winning two out of three in New York, you sort of expected, you know, maybe that might have been a turning point. Maybe they'd play a little bit better against a bad team coming into Fenway Park. And it was just the opposite. Uh, like I said, lost two out of three. And if it's not for Nolan Jones making a bad error in right field, you may have been swept. So things are not great for the Red Sox right now. They're 34 and 35. 14 and a half games out of first place in the AL East, five games out of the wild card. So it's starting to look a little grim because the teams that they have to leapfrog in the wild card to even be in that discussion, they'll play a bunch of them later this month. And I, I don't know, like, I, I think I speak for most Red Sox fans when I say that I don't feel very confident about some of those matchups. So, um, that kind of prompted us to sort of look ahead to the August 1st trade deadline because it's going to come up before we know it. Um, and there's already some discussions going about around the league. And we really wanted to look at for the Red Sox, you know, it's not so much a question of are they buyers or are they sellers? I think we know what they're going to do. They went over the luxury tax last year, you know, and it was a complete waste of time. They are under it now. And unless, you know, you're, unless you're very clever, it's hard to be buyers in the trade market without going back over the luxury tax. So I think we can all safely assume the Red Sox are not going to do that. Um, and if that comes down from ownership or whatever, I just find it highly unlikely. So I think we can all pretty much assume the Red Sox will be sellers of some kind. Now, 
that can vary from selling off just a few pieces or that can go all the way to the end of the spectrum of just completely blowing it up and saying that's it, you know, hitting the hard reset in a way. Um, not sure which direction they'll go, but at the end of the day, I think we can all agree there will be some selling that's going to happen. So we were kind of looking at the roster and we each sort of identified who we think is the Red Sox best trade ship going into that August 1st deadline. So Micah, I'm going to start with you. Who do you think is the Red Sox best trade asset this year at the deadline? I'm really hoping we don't have to go down this road. As you said, it's not looking good, but I do think after last year where Heimblum really, um, he kind of didn't do anything. He didn't decide and he kind of just stood and, I think he's going to pick it, pick one way or another. Obviously, right now it looks like sell. I do think that's what they're going to do. Um, now, I think you have the way. Do you want to sell for to get a little bit better, or are you kind of blowing things up even more? Because then, twenty twenty four, how competitive really are you? And the name that I have um, to me not only makes this team worse in 23, but then I think it would make this team a lot worse in 24. And that's Alex Verdugo. Um, Verdugo has been fantastic this year. Uh, 292 average with a 367 OBP. Um, his K rate is only slightly a bit, um, above his walk rate, which is excellent in today's game. Um, and his defense, if you looked at his baseball savant page, I mean, there are reds all over his page. Um, defensively, he has improved so much. Um, so he has, a, he has a lot of value. He's shown he can hit at the leadoff spot. Um, so the, some teams, they, they just they have a good lineup, but they don't have that leadoff hitter. And he can hit lefties and he can hit righties. So he has a lot of um, desirable traits. Um, and the thing with Verdugo is he's not a rental. He's still under team control. He has one more year of arbitration. Um, so typically we've seen in, in recent years at the deadline that teams are willing to spend a little bit more, give up uh, maybe a higher prospect because not only are they getting the player for the final two months of the year, but they're also um, getting the player for next year. Um, and then they have the opportunity um, this off season to potentially, if they really like him, they could extend him. Um, so it, it, the team has a lot more options. So typically those types of options um, allow uh, the team that's going to trade an asset like that to to get a good return. Um, so I think he has a lot of value. I think he could bring back um, not just one prospect, but I think he could bring back a package of prospects. Um, personally, I'm really hoping this does not happen. I am definitely in the Alex Verdugo fan club, and I would be for that. I would be in favor of them extending him and keeping him as their right fielder for the future. Um, right field in Fenway Park is extremely challenging, and he does a really good job there. So I'm in favor of extending him. Um, I love Verdugo, um, but I do think he does have a lot of value in terms of trade. Terry, this was a guy that you picked to win MVP uh, <laughs> last season. Was it last no. season or two seasons ago? It was probably 2021, actually, I think. Okay. Yeah. So, obviously, a, a guy that you were high on then, I think you're still pretty high on him now. What do you What do you think of that? I think it's absolutely plausible that he could be traded. Um, I, I mean, I, I just woke up from a nap, full disclosure. You guys are aware of that. Audience isn't. Um, 
I don't know of an outfielder of his impact that's going to be available. So he could be in high demand. And just kind of looking down through the standings right now, teams that could use an outfielder, the Baltimore Orioles probably could use one. Uh, They've got one of the top farm systems in MLB, so they do have the trade capital. It's just whether or not the Red Sox would be willing to deal within the division. You're starting to see more and more of that, so I, I don't think it's quite you know, what it used to be in terms of an automatic, uh, you know, no. Uh, Minnesota Twins could probably use an upgrade. The Cleveland Guardians definitely uh, could use some outfield upgrades. That's just the American League. Texas Rangers probably could. But so many teams, uh, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers and the Red Sox have done business with them, you know, on and off. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks. There's so many potential dance partners here, and if uh, you know anyone's willing to give up a a good package, I I can't see why. Um, I don't. I think I think the Red Sox front office phone is going to be busy. You know, at least weighing offers uh, for a guy like Verdugo. Yeah, the difficult part for the Red Sox is they're going to get called. For sure. I mean, especially if teams get a, a sense that they are selling, um, teams are going to call about Alex Verdugo. And, you know, that they're, they're going to call mostly because of his age and his contract and the year that he's having, but also because, you know, there's an issue, maybe an issue between him and the manager, right? It's, you know, got benched for not hustling and then came back, played better. The manager challenged him in the previous offseason to get in better shape. So, at some point the Red Sox are going to have to definitively say to other teams around the league, either yes, he's available. Let's talk or no, he's untouchable. And I don't know if the Red Sox can really afford to label too many guys as untouchable given the situation that they're in. Um, Verdugo would definitely get you a great package back. Um, I do agree though, that I personally, I want him extended. I want him in Boston for at least another, you know, four or five years, something like that. I think you can get him at a pretty reasonable contract too. I think you could probably offer him like the Ben Benintendi deal, maybe sweeten it a little bit, and you could keep him here. And that's that's good value for a player like Verdugo, who I think has a higher ceiling than Benintendi at this point. Um, but I mean, if a team like you, you mentioned the Orioles, Terry, I mean, trading within the division, that's not so taboo anymore, especially with the schedule you know, sort of rebalancing now. Um, And the Orioles do have a very deep farm system. So if they call up and they say, hey, we want Verdugo and, um, you know, just to throw a name out there, they say, we'll we'll give you a package and it's headlined by Grayson Rodriguez. I mean, that's going to be really hard for the Red Sox to say no to. Um, So they're going to get calls like that. It's going to be really difficult for them to make that decision. Ultimately, I side with Micah, I hope we don't come to that. I hope that they keep him and they extend him. But don't be surprised if you start to hear Alex Verdugo's name, you know, on Twitter and you know the rumor mill, especially once trading season really kicks off. So, uh, Micah, do you have anything to add? 
Yeah, the only outfielders that I can really think of um, would be potentially Jock Peterson, um, plays for the Giants. I mean, the Giants are 36 and 32, so they're kind of right in the mix. So they could be buyers rather than sellers. But Peterson's a name, and uh, Michael Conforto maybe has some trade value as well that you could put him out there. But there's not a lot, as you stated. So um, I, I think the demand would be there for sure because Verdugo, he's he's – He's rare at this at this deadline. Yeah, absolutely. He, he will be a hot commodity. Is I and I didn't really weigh in on this. I, my preference is also to keep Verdugo and to extend him as well. Um, suddenly, our outfield doesn't look as weak as it did, you know, coming into the season because Yoshida has proven he basically is the player he was hyped up to be. Uh, you know, coming over from Japan. And Jaron Duran has emerged, you know, and I'm not all the way there. And, you know, he didn't have his last few weeks haven't been stellar, you know, certainly not as robust as he was, uh, you know, in mid to late April till, you know, mid-May. But, but, I feel like we, we've got a little bit more flexibility to at least entertain that now. Um, but I, my preference is that he stays now he's been, you know, on the wrong end of some public comments from Cora, as you mentioned, and it's hard to tell, you know, how Bloom might think of him. He was basically one of the centerpieces in the Mookie deal. So, but you know, we'll see. Yep, absolutely. And you know, the the Cora stuff, it could be that Cora is actually the right manager for Alex Verdugo because he did challenge him in the offseason and Verdugo got in better shape. He did bench him for not hustling to kind of put a spark under him. That worked. So and we don't know what Cora's future is. That's a little bit uncertain right now, too. So if you sign Verdugo to an extension but you fire Alex Cora is the new manager going to rub Verdugo the wrong way or vice versa? Um, and, you know, so that, that is, there is that to factor in as well, but I think ultimately I, I'm with you guys. I would prefer to just extend him and keep him because he is the known commodity out there. So um, Duran, like you said, we still don't really know if he's all the way there yet. Verdugo, I think we know what he is and he's a very good player. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle him. Um Terry, what's the name that you would throw out there for trade candidates? So I think one of our biggest trade chips could be Kenley Jansen. And Kenley, like Verdugo, not exactly a rental because he does have one year of control beyond this year. But man, if he's had some blips recently, but you know, he led all of MLB last year in saves with, uh, you know, 40 something. He also led MLB with blown saves as well. So, um, what, what we've seen from him, those blips, I guess, are to be expected and not necessarily a lot to be concerned about. And I think the benefits here are twofold. You free up a ton of payroll. He's, he's making, 16 million next season. So the, I think the Red Sox would love to shed that and it gives them a, you know, an edge as far as staying under the luxury tax next year as well. 
But here's the other thing, too. Is he a liability? We spoke about this on, I think it was an episode of Totally Legit or Calling the Cops. And I sort of compared it to the Diekman signing. Like, because Diekman had another year and he, he, he hadn't been pitching well. And as it turned out, Heim made the right move. You know, he traded him, got out of the money, and there was no future liability there. We don't know what a 36, 37-year-old Kenley Jansen is going to look like with a history of cardiac issues. And what if these blips aren't blips? Maybe that's more of where he's trending. So you could kind of get rid of a little bit of a, a liability as well. And looking at last year's trade deadline, I don't know. You guys are probably more prospect savvy. There wasn't really a, a huge haul. When it comes to returns, the um, looking for it, the Braves got uh, Rizel Iglesias. He was the best reliever moved, and um, they gave up Jesus Chavez and Tucker Davidson. So I'm not sure if those are high end guys or not, but um, but I think Jansen could potentially be the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest closer available on the market and. Looking through the standings, uh, how much do you think Steve Cohen would be willing to give up to <laughs> to get a closer following the Edwin Diaz thing? Now, Diaz could be back before the playoffs, and then you add Jansen to the mix. That's suddenly uh, a pretty sexy-looking bullpen uh, you know, for the Mets if they can get it together. They, um, they won last night, so they're back within uh, four games of 500 and they are only four games out of the wild card so they're not out of it and I, I think they're more likely to have a rebound than the Red Sox are so that could be one front office another team uh, also in the NL East the Philadelphia Phillies could be pretty motivated to to beef up their bullpen <laughs> I'd love to be a a fly on the wall in that conversation, you know, Dombrowski calling, uh, hey, Heim, heard you're about to lose your job. What do you want for uh, Jansen? <laughs> you know, because, you know, Dombrowski's been there before. So, uh, you know, so he'll trade anybody to get whatever he wants. Uh, look back to the Mets. I did forget to mention uh, MLB Pipeline has their farm system uh, ranked number 11. That sounds really high to me. I couldn't access the Baseball America list. That's always the one I like to cross check with. Um, so maybe the Mets have more trade capital than I thought. And uh, looking down, I mean, there's not quite as many dance partners as we just went over with um, with Verdugo, but you never know. I The Texas Rangers, I haven't really looked into their bullpen, but they've got a decent farm as well, and we've seen them make moves. So, But I think I think there's a better than 50% chance Jansen gets moved. Micah, what do you think? It, it's tough to find a more proven... Um, relief pitcher than Jansen. I mean, in, in the postseason, he's appeared in 59 games and he has a 2.2 ERA. So this is a guy who is battle-tested. Um, 
he's had a couple of series, of course, that he had a couple of uh, tough outings, but overall he's been as consistent as, as you can find in the postseason. So I could definitely see a team wanting um, to acquire him. It really just depends on the money um, because you have, and, and they, that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. And some teams may like the idea that he's not a rental and that he has team control next year because then they don't have to worry about either an eighth inning guy or a closer themselves next year. Um, so maybe they like that. Maybe other teams don't like the idea of having to pay $16 million for a 37-year-old closer. So I think it could go both ways. Um, just some names that I jotted down that could be available. Um, Daniel Bard. You never know what the Colorado Rockies are going to do, but I don't see why they would hold on to Daniel Bard. So that could be a closer that could be on the market. Um, Alexis Diaz for the Reds. He's been a name that has been um, put out there, but I think it would cost um, a team a lot more to acquire Diaz because he's young. Um, Aroldis Chapman is out there. He's a proven closer. He's kind of found his velo again. Um, he's been hitting 102, 103 with the Royals. Um, and then Pittsburgh what are the Pittsburgh Pirates going to do? Nobody knows. I don't even think they know, but David Bednar is a really good closer. So maybe he's thrown out there. Um, so there could be some competition um, in terms of closers available, um, but I don't, I don't know what it would take to get Jansen. I think if, if the Red Sox were to eat some of the money, uh, maybe the rest of this year, they would eat all the contract. And then the, the team that acquires them, um, would take on next year's contract. Maybe you get a better prospect that way. Um, I'm not sure, but tough to beat a postseason resume um, than, than Jansen's. And I think if I'm a contending team, that matters. I want someone that has been in that spot before that can um, keep his cool when, when the pressure's on. So I, I do think Jansen, he's a, he's a real good trade chip for the Red Sox. With Jansen, the key is you're going to have to find a trade partner that doesn't care about the money and also needs a closer and wants to win now. He's the second highest paid closer in baseball. Um, he's tied with uh, Razel Iglesias over there in, in Atlanta. And obviously Edwin Diaz takes the cake as number one. So second highest paid closer in baseball. And he's not exactly, you know, uh, he's not exactly leading the way for like closer of the year right now. He's been good, but as you mentioned, Terry, he's, he's had some blips on the radar too. There's there's been a few times where he just hasn't looked great, and he's he's blown a couple of games. Um, so that's going to be the big issue. the The contract is very high. He's an older pitcher who's had heart issues, health issues in the past. They haven't crept up yet this year, but you know there was that game where he you know was lightheaded, and um, you know so th there's always kind of something hanging over him with that. I think the Texas Rangers would be a perfect trade partner if you're looking, if you really wanted to move Jansen. They've got Will Smith closing games for them right now. And he's not doing terrible. He's got 11 saves, you know, ERA just over three. But you have to imagine with the Rangers in the position they're in now, you know, they've got to be in win, no, win now mode. And adding Jansen to the back end of that bullpen with the way their starting pitching's going could make them really nasty. And they do have a pretty good farm system. They've got some young kids that I think, you know, I don't know if you're not going to get probably a top five prospect, maybe top 10 if you're willing to absorb some money, but um, they've, they've got guys down there that you could absolutely snatch up and, and I think would be 
really good to supplement your farm system with. So um, of all the teams that, you know, need closers or, or would want closers, the Mets would be an interesting one, but part of me feels like they're determined to just, you know, make it work until Diaz gets back. I, I think that they're optimistic that he'll be back sooner rather than later. And, you know, if they go on a second half run, they're going to rely on him. So the Phillies are definitely an interesting option. I just don't know really what they've got in terms of prospects or whatever that would really help you. So Texas to me is the team that I look at. If you wanted to trade Kenley Jansen, that I think is an ideal landing spot for him. They need a closer. They, they are contending. They're in first place in their, in a very tough division. Um, they want to win now. They don't want to let this one slip away because um, they could end up being one of, you know, one of the best teams in baseball if they play their cards right at the deadline and they continue to trend this way, um, even after losing to Grom. So I just think that's that's an ideal trade partner for Jansen out of all the teams we mentioned. Um, there are a number. I mean, I could see the Red Sox for the right prospect eating a, a portion of that contract, you know, four to eight million, let's say, if it's a if it's a real good prospect. Don't rule out a three team trade as well. We saw that done with Benintendi wasn't an overwhelming return um, and it wasn't really expected to be at the same time. Uh, Micah, you mentioned the Cincinnati Reds. Unbelievably, they are one game under 500, two and a half games out of the wild card, only one and a half games out of the division. They've won eight out of their last 10. Like they've got a bunch of young kids up that are just thriving and I I haven't been able to go back and look, but perhaps the Red Sox series might have been the start of their turnaround. And, uh, you know, they just took two out of three from the Dodgers in the last week. Um, so I could see them possibly being buyers, believe it or not. Maybe not insanely aggressively, but I feel like they're more likely to add at this point. Uh, the jury's still out on what the the Pittsburgh Pirates are. They are in first place, uh, a game ahead of Milwaukee, and, and Milwaukee is typically an aggressive trade deadline uh, team. So uh, that's an interesting race, but yeah. And hey, what put a mega deal together, Verdugo and Jansen. Look at that, you know. <laughs> that's... Uh... Well, and with the Reds, I mean, talk about a team that has the money to spend there. They've got the 25th payroll in all of baseball. So they shouldn't really care too much about adding on a contract like Kenley Jansen's. If, you know, if the Red Sox didn't feel like absorbing any of the money, um, I think they probably still should a little bit just to sweeten the pot, especially if you are going to trade with Cincinnati, they have a very deep farm system, but Cincinnati has a lot of room to add contracts like that. So um, if they feel like, that help, helps get him over the edge, you know, get another guy for the back end of that bullpen. Um, that would be a good place to look as well, for sure. I think where it's a short-term deal, I, I, I don't think it's that daunting. I'm trying to think of uh, a longer-term one. Xander, you couldn't really use that example, but there are some where it's like, oof, that long-term money isn't, uh, you know, isn't worth the pain. But... It's it's a relatively short term risk with with Jansen if it doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. So 
the the guy that I am going to throw out there, I think this is the Red Sox best trade chip heading into the deadline. I'm going with James Paxton. Um, James Paxton has been absolutely on fire since he come, came back from the injury, uh, you know, early in spring training. Um, he's been one of, if not your best starter, um, you know, two and one ERA just over three. He's striking out guys left and right. He's not walking anybody. Um, he looks really sharp. And let's face it, if we're talking about the Red Sox selling at the deadline, you need to sell guys that aren't part of your long-term future. James Paxson's in his mid-30s, and you barely got him on the mound for the second year of his deal. So he's not part of your future. He's a great rental for any team that needs that extra starting pitching to get them over the hump or to supplement what they already have. Um, again, Texas Rangers could be looking for another starter just to add to that mix. Uh, Philadelphia Phillies always looking for starting pitching. Um, there are teams out there that would absolutely want to trade for him. Would the return be, you know, would it blow you away? Probably not. Again, he's a 34 year old, you know, injury prone pitcher on a, you know, low money deal. Um, he's absolutely a rental and everyone knows that the Red Sox aren't going to extend him that he's not part of the future. So you're not going to get a, a, you know, top prospect in return. But you can still get, I think, someone in the, you know, between the 10 and 20 range for prospects. Maybe someone's number 14, number 15, and maybe they grow and develop within your system. Um, you could absolutely do something like that. So for me, it's Paxson. I just think the way he's been performing since he came back, um, he's made himself a very valuable asset. And you're not going to extend him. You might as well just get as much for him as you can like you failed to do last year with Nathan Avaldi and J.D. Martinez. Don't make that same mistake this year. Get this guy traded somewhere and get a good return for him. Uh, Micah, what do you think of Paxton? Yeah, I think that's a really solid um, solid option. Um, even if, I know you said you're not going to extend him, but even if the Red Sox had interest of bringing him back, if he ends up finishing the year healthy, you can sign him again. Like he's going to be a free agent. So if you really like him and he trusts the, uh, the, uh, the medical team in, in, in Boston, because they really helped him get back to where he was, maybe, maybe there's a, a possibility of them getting together again and, and, and getting a, a deal done. But if with him being a rental and if the Red Sox are out of it, he absolutely should be dealt. And there's been names like Corbin Burns, um, Shane Bieber has even been a name that's been out there, but those guys would really bring um, bring back a lot of prospect capital. They they would be expensive, whereas Paxton, I mean, he's really cheap in terms of the finances, and I don't think it's gonna, like you said, I don't think it's going to take that much to get him. Um, but you never know, you never know what deal um, teams are going to make because last year Christian Vasquez. You know, brought back two prospects that I think the Red Sox are very happy with that return. And Vasquez was a rental catcher. Um, so if Paxton keeps pitching well, that will only increase the the price tag in terms of the, the prospects that teams will have to give up to get him. Um, so hopefully that continues and he keeps making himself um, a, at a very uh, attractive um, trade chip because um, starting pitching, in my opinion, I think Paxton probably has more value than 
Jansen because you're going to get more innings out of him. Um, from August to the end of the season, you're probably going to get seven, eight starts. Um, so a team that re that really needs starting pitching, they may be really desperate and they may be willing to give up a you know a prospect eight, nine, or ten in their system, and maybe one other. Who knows? You never know how desperate a team really is. Um, but I do think Paxton is a really good uh, trade chip and. Even if the Red Sox turn this around a little bit um, and they're kind of like last year where they were a game and a half out of the wild card come deadline, that might be someone that Bloom says, you know what, we're, we're kind of in it, but do we really think we have a team that can really win? Um, and with him being a rental, you get what you can and um, you build for 2024. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think he's going to make a decision one way or another. And to me, with Paxton being a, Paxton being a rental, I, I do think he is um, – I think we will see him be traded for sure. Terry? I think of the our top three that we've just gone through, I think Paxton automatically will be gone. And I don't think the return will be quite as big necessarily because it, it is a bigger market. You know, teams will be w willing to deal a lot of these guys, but um, but I think absolutely he will be traded. And whichever team that trades for him probably won't do business with us ever again because the third week of August he's going to be, you know, out for a while. <laughs> and... Uh, probably hurt a team's chances uh, in the playoff run, especially if it's like a, a fringe wildcard team that ends up acquiring him. But absolutely. And, uh, you know, Red Sox fans should should root for him to be successful because <laughs> the more successful he is, the, the better the return will be. Uh, the only other, well, there actually could be two pitchers that could be moved. Uh, the only one of value, though, uh, Chris Martin, similarly to Jansen, a uh, couple years of control, and I think it's, you know, it, it would be a fair debate that maybe Martin is your best reliever right now. I mean, I probably, at the moment, trust him a little bit more than Kenley. Now, if Kenley were to get hot here for the next couple of weeks, then I could be swayed back over uh, to his side of the spectrum, but I think Martin will have... Uh, a great deal of value. And then I think Nick Pavetta uh, will generate some interest. Uh, much like I said, I think it was on last night's show, some team will think they can fix him. And they'll uh, they'll drink the punch and take him on. Yeah, 100%. I, I could totally see that as well. So, um, it, you know, Pavetta still has value as a starter, I think. You know, we put him in the bullpen, but you're right. There'll, there'll be some team out there that will want to put him back in their rotation um, and try and, you know, get the most out of him. So I think that is a, a very realistic option as well. Uh, Michael, what did you want to add? If the Red Sox decide to trade Jansen and Martin, um, I think that would make Heim Bloom, if he still has his job in the offseason, that would make his job much harder come the offseason because he would have to replace two fairly reliable arms out there. And I'm just not sure you can do that um, consistently every offseason because I think Heimblum is not usually one a person that many people um, 
praise for his signings, but you have to give him props for going out there and getting Martin because he's been fantastic. And, and Jansen's been pretty solid minus that it's been pretty much that St. Louis series. If you take those, those two outings out of there, his numbers are, are pretty good. So I think Red Sox fans really do have to give him credit for reshaping and rebuilding that, that bullpen. Cause it's been the strength of this team, the most consistent part of this team all season long. But if you get rid of those two guys, then I think you're back to a lot of question marks in the offseason of who do we trust with a, a lead late and can we find a closer? Do we have to now go trade for a closer? I think it does complicate things. If I mean, if the Red Sox are selling as we're, we're kind of expecting them to, to me, 2024, if Bloom's here, that's got to be the year where they, they compete and you cannot go into 2024 with a subpar bullpen. That just that can't happen. It's got to be uh, as good as – it is this year or even better um, because next year they would absolutely have to win because I can't imagine another losing season after this year. And it, it just, it's not going to happen with Bloom keeping his job. So I think you got to be careful if you keep shipping these bullpen arms out. Um, how do you replace them in the off season? Bloom status is, is really fascinating right now. And you look back to 20, uh, let's see, 2015, Ben Sherrington was fired just after the August trade deadline. And so he handled, you know, whatever moves that took place. Uh, I'm trying to think of what might have even happened that year. Uh, we weren't buyers. I knew that. But um, but either way, he was fired first week of August. And maybe Dombrowski's firing in Detroit kind of was the the catalyst for that. Maybe that's why, why it happened to begin with. But, uh, Dombrowski also kept his job in Boston through the 2019 trade deadline. So, you know, you look at it like, well, that's what the precedent is. So Heim's going to handle business at the trade deadline, regardless of what his status is. But the way I look at it is how many trades has Bloom really nailed? You know what I mean? He hasn't won a ton of them or gotten great value back. You know, I was starting to really like the Valdez acquisition, but he had uh, lots of regression in the last three or four weeks. So maybe he turns it around, but he's a huge defensive liability too. So I'm not sure how I like that trade. I, I know that Abreu kid is in either Portland or Worcester. Um, he was the other part of the trade. So I guess the jury isn't completely out yet, but Bloom doesn't really get a ton of value. So do you really, if your intention is to potentially get rid of him, do you hand, do you get rid of him and then hand the reins to Brian O'Halloran for at least the rest of the season? It's extremely fascinating, uh, you know, and if we have a couple more bad series here, I think the the calls will, uh, for his firing will, will intensify whether it happens or not. Yeah, and that'll that'll certainly make for an awkward situation because, uh, I mean, let's face it, he's probably going to be the one handling the deadline and his job's sort of teetering. So, as a Red Sox fan, how you know, how confident do you feel about that? That that's the guy that's going to be handling your trade deadline and could potentially be moving a lot of pieces. Um, so, like you said, I mean, slam dunk trades. He's maybe had one or two, you know, like if that, but. He's had a lot of swings and misses too. That Jackie Bradley trade will forever haunt him. Um, 
So we'll see. It's it's going to be an interesting deadline one way or the other, uh, regardless of who's running it. Um, so before we wrap real quick, we're just going to pivot to the West Coast. Obviously, I think the biggest story going around baseball right now is what's happening with the Oakland Athletics. Um, no, the state of Nevada just approved funding for their new stadium, which was pretty much the biggest hurdle they had to clear to move the team to Las Vegas. Uh, the Oakland Athletics fans have responded by showing up in droves to the Coliseum uh, to protest the, the move of the team. I think they had like 28, 30,000 fans at the last couple of games, more than they've had in a very, very long time. Uh, so the fans are not happy. I think a lot of people around baseball are not happy because, you know, it's it's really just the selfishness of the owner and the greed, frankly, of the owner that's causing this. Uh, the Oakland Athletics do have good fans. They've just, you know, they were in a bad stadium, which I don't think the city of Oakland really did them any favors either because they wouldn't let them out of that lease to explore other options nearby. Um, fans didn't like going to the stadium and that sort of dwindled attendance and that sort of, you know, allowed the owner to do what he's doing now and force a move to Las Vegas. So it's just kind of a shame. I, I hope that they really don't become the Las Vegas athletics, but all signs point to that being the case. Um, Terry, what are your thoughts on everything going on in Oakland? It's really a shame because Oakland does have a, kind of a I don't know if I want to call it a rich history but you know they they had some success in the in the 70s and won a few titles and um actually and then they won one in the late 80s didn't they um I think they beat the Dodgers one of those years uh and then 19, lost the 1990 okay yeah. yeah yeah so um you know you hate to see a, a town like Oakland uh, you know, lose a, a team. I know San Francisco is just across the bridge there, but um, the the thing I hate the most is Las Vegas is a transplant town. Nobody is from Vegas. They they're all from other places, and their favorite team is from wherever that place they're from. If I move to Vegas, that sounds like amazing. By the way, <laughs> for a guy who loves to play Texas Hold'em and all that. Um, I would always love the Red Sox still. <laughs> That's a weird saying because I've, I've bashed them so much over the last several months. You know, I'm, I'm the, the anti-bloom guy, but the Red Sox would still be my team. You know, when I'm, when I'm watching sports, that's, and I, I could imagine it's the same for everybody out there. And how, how endearing are the Tampa Bay Rays to the people of Tampa? That's another transplant town. Miami has never been able to sell out a baseball stadium unless it's a playoff or a World Series. You know, another transplant town. I live in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Nobody in Myrtle is from Myrtle. <laughs> it's just, it's the way it is. I live in a transplant town myself. So I hate that. There's so many other towns out there. Like Montreal is the is the slam dunk. You know, they had the Expos all those years and... They've been clamoring for a team. Um, Salt Lake City is a, is a fascinating one, and I know there's been a lot of interest there from that community. Um, I, I think that would be a great fan base that would rally around their team. 
Oklahoma City uh, could potentially be another one. You know, the Thunder, you know, in the NBA have really, um, you know, made themselves home there. Uh, there's so many. I mean, there's other fringe ones. I mean, you could look at New Orleans, Nashville uh, could be another one, Charlotte, um, Indianapolis could potentially be a, um, you know, a destination for a team. I'd much rather see MLB go that route. I don't, I, I don't get the appeal of Las Vegas. I really don't. Yeah, I'm with you. And and to your point about Tampa, having lived there for five years, yeah, they, they don't care about the race. They don't. T- Tampa is, if anything, it's college football. They watch college football and that's it. They don't care about the race. They don't care about any other team in that town. It's all transplants from Philly, New York, and Boston. Um, anyone who tells you that they're a true, legit race fan is probably lying to you. So. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you on them. And, and real quick, one last thing I meant to mention if it's the same ownership, they're going to be a small market team in Vegas that don't spend money. So that makes it even more dumber to me. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it doesn't make much sense. Uh, Micah, what are your thoughts on the, the Oakland situation? Well, the fact that they only need the other owners to agree on this basically means it's a, it's a done deal because I don't think they would have gone this far if they didn't believe the other owners would have agreed. So it, it's really a shame because this team was competing in the AL West and they were making wild cards in the playoffs consistently. Um, and you just look at some of the players that they had that they either traded or just let go. And it's like this this roster was really talented. I mean, Matt Chapman, um, Olsen, the first baseman, Sean Murphy, um, there was even a report that I read that Marcus Simeon, the year that he went to Toronto on that one-year deal and he finished third in the MVP voting, he wanted to sign a one-year deal and they just said, no, go test the, the free agent market. And it's like, you know, you could have had a guy who was an MVP can, uh, candidate before and then turned into one that year and they just, they have, they have no interest in winning there. And it's such a shame because the fans deserve so much better. Um in terms of Vegas, I would much rather see, um, I heard this the other day, uh, Eno Saris said this, and it, I loved it. Um, he said that it, the, the owner of the athletics should move to Vegas, but start a new team. And then that way you leave Oakland's um, history in Oakland. And you start a new team in Las Vegas, and they act like they're the Oakland Athletics. They probably still would be in the AL West. Um, but then Oakland would be a potential expansion team in the future. You could um, bring them back, essentially. Um, that way you're not messing with the history and the fans if they want to jump back on the Oakland Athletics train um five years from now because expansion is definitely coming it's financially it just makes way too much sense for the owners to not expand um so it's coming um and if you look at tv markets which is huge for teams in terms of finances oakland is better than any of the the cities that are that are talked about for expansion so i would hate to see the Las Vegas athletics, you know, call the Las Vegas, whatever, um, similar to like the hockey team that just won. Um, you know, they are Las Vegas's team. Every, you know, everyone just was like, yeah, I'm going to follow this team. And, you know, now they will just want a, a title, um, create an entirely new team in Las Vegas. And then when expansion comes, 
bring back the A's um, and let those fans have their team again because what, what they've done is a crime. I, I wish there was some type of relegation system similar to the um, European soccer leagues because they don't belong in Major League Baseball. That, that team is a joke, um, and it's not has nothing to do with the players. It has everything to do with the owners. They have not tried. It, it just infuriates me that they're going to be able to get the number one overall pick because they've sucked. They, they don't deserve that. Um, it, it just the system should not be set up to allow teams like Oakland or whatever they're going to be in Las Vegas. It, it should not be set up to allow teams to just completely tank and win fifty two games. And then all of a sudden try to build your farm system back up. It's just, it's a shame. And I, to me, the tanking in baseball is a major issue because these, these rebuilds take years because of the prospects and it's just a terrible product. And the teams that are really competitive in the AL, AL West, they get essentially 10, 11, 12 wins every year because that team is terrible. So if you're playing the Oakland Athletics, you have put 10 wins at least on your on your record because you should never lose to this team. They are that bad. I know they just went on a win streak, but they are a terrible team. And what they've done, it's disgusting. Well, careful not to jinx that because uh, I'm sure the Athletics will be on the Red Sox schedule at some point, and I'm sure we'll lose two out of three to them somehow, some way. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. This is just, this is awful for that city, for that fan base. Um, there is one known player from Las Vegas who's already spoken out against it. Bryce Harper, to his credit, said, I hope they don't take the athletics name. It's not fair to that fan base. It's not fair to what that city's gone through. Um, and it, he's right. It really isn't. My only issue with uh, the scenario you proposed, Micah, is that I worry that that would just be the Montreal Expos all over again, where you say, oh, yeah, well, you can always bring him back in the future. I'm sure some people thought Montreal would be back at some point, and it never has. And that that stadium is just sitting there rotting. And, you know, it's uh, the, the idea of the Expos ever becoming a thing again is just getting further and further away. So my only worry would be that the athletics would sort of enter into that baseball purgatory along with the Expos. Um so I, I wouldn't want to see that happen, but I do, I do agree. Expansion is inevitable. Expansion is inevitable in all sports at this point. Um, but yeah, baseball as well. And Terry, you brought up a couple of really good markets like Nashville. I think Nashville would be a great place to put a baseball team, especially with Vanderbilt right there. Vanderbilt's a big baseball school. Um, on the pre-show, I mentioned Portland, you know, Portland's another city that's got a big TV market. Obviously, you know, the Oregon Ducks are, are a pretty good baseball team, too. So you have that connection there as well. They've already got one pro sports team in Portland. So um, I think there's a lot of options. And I hope that in a way that like it's the Las Vegas thing, just in a way, I hope it doesn't work. And because you're right, Terry, it's like if it's the same owner, so he's going to go to Vegas and not spend money on players. And you'll just be the worst team of, of the new Vegas wave. Because let's face it, if LeBron has his way, which he will, Vegas is going to get a basketball team at some point. Um, he and John Henry are actually big, a big part of trying to make that happen. They've already got the football team. They've already got the hockey team. And the hockey team just won. 
So what's this owner going to do? Go to Vegas and just be, be the worst team and be irrelevant in a different location. It just really makes no sense for the sport as a whole. Um, I hope that somehow the brand of the Oakland athletics survives and, and can be, you know, even if it is resurrected in a couple of years, you know, like that's fine, but just, I don't know. The whole thing's just such a shame and it's just so gross that it's like the selfishness and greediness of one owner is torpedoing, you know, one of the more historic franchises in baseball. Uh, Also uh, another thing that came to mind, two other markets that are somewhat fascinating, maybe not quite as likely, but Mexico city, if you want to, you know, get the international appeal, I, I think, if they built a, you know, a 40,000 seat arena, they could probably sell it out. Uh, another one, maybe put one in San Juan, Puerto Rico, that could, you know, similarly appeal to the Caribbean. Cause I mean, you've got, you know, the Dominican right there. That's a very baseball rich, you know, country. And I don't know what, you know, TV access is like in Cuba necessarily, but that's uh, that's a market that loves baseball anyway. And um, so I think those could be particularly uh, appealing as well. Michael, what did you have, Dad? Um, Jason, you said how, like, you moved to a new city and you don't want to be just another terrible team just in a different location. I personally think that the owner of the athletics, whether it happens after they move or even before they officially move, I think he's going to sell the team. I think he's going to make so much money from moving. um, And then he's going to say, all right, I've made my money because we know the Oakland athletics have never cared about winning really because they've had the lowest, one of the lowest payrolls in baseball um, for like decades now. Um, so he's going to pocket whatever money he can get. And then I think he could, ab- he could sell. And then hopefully um, we, uh, the baseball world gets another owner who, who cares about winning, you know, Steve Cohen, as much as I think he's breaking baseball, I love to see a guy who wants to win and is investing in a team. And hopefully baseball gets an owner who actually cares about winning and will spend money rather than just, um, spend the bare minimum and and um, just put out a, a mediocre team, or in this case now, a, a terrible team. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very likely that that's exactly what's going to happen. And you're right, at the very least, you know, if he does sell it to another Steve Cohen type or just, you know, one of these guys that has a lot of money and just, you know, wants to wants to build a successful team, that is that part of it's good for baseball. Um, I just don't think killing the brand of, of one of the more historic franchises that's had so many great players come through there um, that I, that that part is not good for baseball. And that's that's going to be hard for the sport to recover from a little bit. So um, we'll you know, we'll see how it goes. But either way, um, enjoy the Oakland Athletics <laughs> as much as you can um, while they're still here, because. It's not going to last much longer, unfortunately. So uh, with that, we will wrap up this Bastards Roundtable episode. The Red Sox will be taking on the Yankees this weekend, and the weekend crew will have you guys Monday morning to recap that series. So we'll see you guys then. Until then, everyone, take care.